Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. We're back as a trifecta. Jim, you are back from Saudi Arabia. How was your trip? I met with some interesting people who um, claim to be coming over to Wembley next week to have some energy drink. So I heard, um, news. I heard you had a few arguments, Jim, and uh, they kept saying you lost your head a few times. Well, yeah, fortunately, um, my partner is actually a female. No, no, my, my partner oh. is actually a female, so he actually just let me off in the end. It was a very oh, close call. Oh, yeah. oh, fair enough. Well, yeah, the 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 funny the funny over there about that. You better not have been working as well while you've been over there. Of course not. Of course not. No, definitely not. But something that isn't working at the minute, chaps. Jim, we'll start with you. Graham Potter at Chelsea at the minute. It doesn't look like it's going the way that a lot of people thought it would go straight away, Jim. But what do you think of Potter's reign so far? And do you think he'll be in a job come the end of the season? Um, I think his job so far has been. It's been a difficult one, granted, but I think we're getting to the point now where questions have got to be asked of Potter. And listen, I, I have a lot of time for him, and I hope Chelsea do stick with him have a bit of patience because the amount of incomings and outgoings he's had this season, um, I can't imagine many managers would have had a successful year um, results wise this season. And it'll probably more be judged on what they do next year when they jail. But yeah, going back to kind of what I just said there, we're getting to a point now where Chelsea are just, they just they're not scoring, are they? Um, Southampton at home, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible loss. For, for me, they're the worst team in the league um, and they come to your place and beat you. Yeah, the female attacking talent Chelsea you've got, they can't seem to find the goals and it, it kind of gets to a point where it, it looks like from the outside looking in that part doesn't know who to play, which I guess is fair enough, but at the same time, he's kind of just Dragging random names on at half time and dragging them off, and I don't really know. I don't, you, you're probably better suited to speaking about that more than me, Cook. But um, he made half time subs again, didn't he, at Southampton? I think he was Sterling on for Maduake. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what's going on up there. Yeah, it's just a, a mixture of the options that we have and uh, like the plethora of players that we've got coming back from injury and stuff like that. Fafana, I think, was the other lad that came on at half-time, potentially. And, um, yeah, I just, I just think that we're going through a tough task. Tough task at the minute to bed all these people in at the same time and still achieve what has been known as routinely finishing in the top four in Europe. So it, it was hard, and it's Potter's hardest job to date, as well as on top of all this with new owners, etc., etc. But... Even with all that, the performances have been subpar. And I, I personally believe that he should keep his job. And I think, again, you should judge him over, on years as opposed to months because I think long-term, if this is what you want to do, and Bowley showed in his business strategy before with the LA Dodgers in baseball, from what I've read on The Athletic, that they've implemented a long-term plan. It's a very similar structurally to how they've done with Potter. So... I think if they continue with this methodology, again, taking it from the MLB, I think that you will see the fruits of the labour because I think Potter's got a proven track record with young players and you mix that in with experienced players and I think that you've got a really good combination to win something eventually, but you've got to just basically put the entitlement aside and that's what it is to a degree, but you've also got to get 100% off the people off the pitch. But, for example, you mentioned that with the squads, Jim. 
Hakim Ziyech, a guy that was supposed to go out on loan, has started two of our last four games. Like, I think, again, that's just to keep him sweet. But that's what we're, we're doing at the minute as well because of injuries and bedding all these new people in that just aren't cutting the mustard. But it's it's a very difficult task. Yeah, I guess what what could happen, Stan, be the, the risk of going so long-term and um, Chelsea are in serious trouble of not getting any Europe. So, like, not even Conference League at this rate. I mean, how do you keep all them players happy with no Europe midweek so you can't rotate and play more games? But also, you've got all these big personalities and these players who've gone for hundreds of millions, 90 millions, and they're not playing any European football. I mean, how long do they give it? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. I agree with you both, really. Um, I think it is getting to the point now where Potter needs to be looked at. Obviously, a low, massive influx of players. And uh, like you like you said then, that, that's going to mean that game time, especially next season, if they're not in Europe, is going to be hard to come by. But I, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't think it's Potter's fault. I don't think it's actually helped him, this, this massive amount of spending, if I'm honest. Uh, he took over and Chelsea were fifth and now the tenth. Uh, I don't know, that doesn't really mean much. But um, just the changes that has happened, he's not been able to come in and be, be like, right, what have I got? Let's do what we can until the summer and then we'll go for it and we'll slowly build. It's kind of been a, I've turned up and the squad's completely different now to when it was three months ago when he turned up. So I don't think that's helped him at all. But, you know, the fact is that Chelsea has sat 10th in the Premier League on zero goal difference with 15 games left and that isn't good enough for Chelsea. Never mind the fact that they've just dropped 600 million in the last two transfer windows. Um <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd keep him. I said a few a few pods ago, I think, that I do think Potter will end up getting it right if he's given uh, time. But top clubs don't give time. Chelsea historically haven't given time. I know it's a different owner, but I think the owner will probably start to think, hang on a minute, I'm spending all this money and we're still 10th. Uh, and, you know, that might mean that he ends up going at the end of the season. But I'm looking. I don't know who Chelsea bring in. Um I don't think there's many. I can't see them getting Pochettino. Maybe Simeone if he if he's leaving Atleti at the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, for me, for me, you keep him and you let him figure it out. But I mean, Chelsea have spent six hundred million. I look at the best eleven from what they've actually got. If any Chelsea fan can agree on the best eleven with the amount of players they've got, um, and it's still got holes in it in key areas. You look at the keepers; they want a keeper, they want a striker. The centre half's thirty six. The best centre half's thirty six. The best midfielder, arguably Kante, is injured all the time, and they've just spent six hundred million. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd give him time to figure it out. But then again, I say that with most managers. I'd, 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 a lot of people blame the manager first, but I look at a lot of other things before the manager gets blamed, and I think it's a very difficult situation for Potter. So uh, I'd keep him. I wouldn't get rid of him. I think he'll. I think he will figure it out. And he's on what is it? A six-year contract, five-year contract? Was it? He got given, and he yeah. paid for him and all of his coaching staff to come from Brighton. I mean, people are half laughing at what Chelsea are doing in terms of the signings, despite it being a lot of money, and fans probably enjoying it. You know, people on the outside are looking in and thinking. Fucking hell, do they need all these players? They're just buying everyone. Yeah. I think if Potter is sacked before the end of the season, that will be another thing that, you know, is, is another stick to be Mr. Bowley with. Oh, but is it Bowley? Is that how you pronounce his name? I couldn't tell you. Todd. Big dick Todd. Yeah, I was going to say, just refer to him as that. Um, but no, but no I, I, to a point, I think with, with Potter, he's not blameless, but he's not solely blame. 
you, you can't put the blame on him solely, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that a lot of players who he doesn't fancy and we've had to play because of players' injury and suspension in, in certain points of it, I've, I've down tools for him. I believe a player like Ziyech is just an example of that. And I think that the guy's not even had a pre-season yet. I'd love to see Potter have a pre-season, have another crack at getting some dead wood out like Ziyech, like an Aubameyang, potentially fetch some money for like a Gallagher. And again, like Stan said, make those additions uh, again in net that we need to make. But I think, Jim, do you think that Potter would benefit from potentially finishing outside of Europe this season. And I, I said to you in the pub, I believe, that I, I think Chelsea can finish like 10th and Potter keep his job next year. I personally don't think you will benefit from that. Um, I can see where you're coming from. You'll have no European football distraction and dial with size going for a title. Um, I'm guessing that's what Chelsea want to do next season. I know it seems miles off now, but I mean, it's Chelsea. They're going to go for a title at the start of every single season. But I don't think they're there yet to go for a title. Um, they need that pre-season. Like I say, your manager's not a pre-season. They haven't started to gel together yet. I don't think they're a title-ready team. And I think a guy like Potter, who is in his first taste of Champions League football, probably wants more than less of it. Um and all the players as well, some of the young players, Enzo Fernandez. Um, he's played, played a, has he played a handful of games this year? Ben Fikridge in the Champions League. Um, the, lad, the lad Mudrick, he's played a few games. I mean, these are players that want to, yeah, they'd be impressed, but they want to keep playing in these elite competitions and they can only get better by being in, being there, getting the experience. And then, like I've sort of shown before, the, the, the huge squad and the amount of rotation that Chelsea are going to have to do next season, I think it will help them. Because um, sometimes you see where they'll play, play, say you do play on a Thursday night, for example, you'll bring in someone like a Madawake and it'll just be it'll just be red hot and then it'll, it'll push on for the league games then because how else is he going to break into the team if he's only getting chances in like the League Cup and the FA Cup, which is just not the same standard, are they? So I actually think it's important that Chelsea do get a form of European football and actually play a bit competitively next season because I believe the squad's big enough. Like, say you've got two left backs, you've got two right backs. I know you still need some different players, centre backs and strikers. You've got a lot of midfielders to get in there. So I think it'll be important for him next year to figure out what his best team is. Yeah, I've never really thought of it like that, to be honest with you, giving people minutes, but it makes a lot, a lot of sense, Stan. And I think that just as we're finishing off on Potter and Chelsea, I think that next year if he is in charge and we are able to shift a lot of these players and even if we don't bring in a goalkeeper for example like Jim said I think that the ambition will be to go for a title do you remember when we finished 10th and then Conte coming in the next year and then we did end up winning, winning a title so it's it's peaks and troughs really like you said Jim I completely understand where you're coming from with that getting one minutes in people's legs 100% for a title charge So, um, going to a team, going to a player, actually, that is on the complete polar opposite of forms and highs and lows of Graham Potter's shelter there is um, Marcus Rashford, Stan. Aladu, I've not been convinced of him in the past, but this past few weeks, past few months, maybe in a year since he played for England, um, yeah, you've got to admit he's maybe the best player in world football at the minute. He just seems to score every single game and... Yeah, it's kind of great to see. He's a good lad. So, yeah, I'll just let you talk about Mark Rashford for a bit. I've not really got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess my question is, is he the best player in the world at the minute? I th- yeah, I, th- I think he probably is, to be honest. Um, it doesn't 
it, it seems like he scores or at least assists every game, and and you know he's been massive for United since since the World Cup uh, finished. Well, and he's in the top five leagues. He scored the most goals by a distance. I think the next closest is six or seven goals behind him. So uh, he's got thirty two goal involvements already this season, and I know we're in Feb, but if you think of the World Cup, uh, it's actually earlier the earliest or the least amount of games we've played in February in any other season. So, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. I think it, I think he probably is the best player in the world at the moment. And if, you know, you, you can make an argument for some others, but I don't think anybody's better than him. Um, some some players, you know, Mbappe, Haaland might be on the same level, but I think it's great that a lad from Manchester playing for Manchester United is, is arguably the best player in the world. If not, like I say, you know, there's nobody better than him. Um, yeah, he's he's been brilliant for United, and he's he's filled out, especially last season as well. He scored five goals, and he's he's already scored twenty four, which is his best goal scoring uh, season at United. Uh, I think he's, he's before that it was twenty one a couple of seasons ago. But considering I saw people saying should he leave, should United have sold him to PSG last summer, which to me is just crazy. I think even when you've got a player like that that's come through the ranks, has been a senior player for years. Um, you've got to keep him around no matter what. So the fact that he stayed and, and you know, Ten Hag's done whatever he's done with him and Rashford, you you know, you've got to give him credit mentally and physically. He looks, he looks bang on and he is bang on. Uh, why is that, no Stan? Like, why, why is that this season? Obviously, you've got Ten Hag's been very good. What is he doing? Is there anything he's doing that you've noticed tactically or positional-wise or is it just kind of a a confidence not, thing this season not really no I, th- I think what's important is that he's not injured which you know under Solskjaer uh, he, I think he had back-to-back seasons where he scored 20 odd all comps but he was always carrying a knot with his back or his ankle or his shoulder I remember he had issues with his left shoulder for a while <laughs> I think you know last season uh, it was an awful season all round for United but I think that's probably helped him in terms of he's been able to recover for a season which isn't what you want to look at but if you're taking it as a positive I think that's what's happened he's had 12 months to recover uh, he had a pre-season last summer um, and he's had a World Cup which you know he, he didn't start probably as much as he would have liked but he, he scored three goals um, and he was important for England when when you know he was given the chance to play so I think it's a mixture of confidence and, and uh, the massive thing is that, that he is injury free uh, and he looks stronger than ever he looks quicker than ever he's playing centrally as well which was always an issue for him was that he, he looked too slight but he's shrugging defenders off and we, we know about his blistering pace as there's not many players in the world quicker than him but the fact he's shrugging players off he's scoring headers as well uh, which is something that he's never had uh, shout out Benny McCarthy for that because I think that's something that he's helped him with Um so yeah, he's just brilliant. He's turning into the all-round striker. He's almost like, without knocking him too much, if this is even possible, he is a bit like a Ronaldo light when he was 24, 25, where he's starting to not only add the head into his game, he's starting to add the fact he can play centrally off the left. He's adding left left foot to his left footed goals to his uh, his locker. Uh, and he, he's just a huge threat coming in from running in behind as we saw at the weekend or coming in from the left-hand side uh, where he nearly scored where three of them came across and he nicked between them but I think players will be looking at him and and wondering how you stop him because physically you know he's six foot six foot one he's adding headers to his game he's rapid he's big he's big he's built well uh, and he doesn't you know touch wood he doesn't seem to be carrying any injuries and he doesn't seem like he's going to get injured anytime soon so 
yeah, he's, he's brilliant. And the fact that arguably the best player in the world is, is a man and he's playing for United and, you know, he's come through our academy. It doesn't really get much better than that for me. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. I hope it hope it continues and uh, he has a few trophies to add to this season as well as his, his goal tally, hopefully touching uh, the 30s, if not 40. Well, um, nicely segueing on to a certain trophy up for grabs on Sunday afternoon, Cook. Um, there is a team um, looking to stop Rashford and one name that would be looking to keep Rashford's name off the score sheet will be, interestingly enough, Boris Karius. <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you make of him starting on the cup final? I guess we'll do a bit of a kind of a preview of obviously Newcastle versus United this weekend. It's going to be a class redemption arc from the Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> it's, go, it's going to be so... No, I, no if I'm being serious, I, I think that with Nick Pope being a complete and utter dosser, I don't think there's anything else we can say for that, Jim, in the game uh, against Liverpool. And with Newcastle having to put carriers between the sticks, I think that United are going to win this game. And I actually gave Newcastle a, a fighting chance, really, if they had everybody fit on the day, because it's cup final, like I said, anyone could beat anyone, and they've not been to a final since they played your boys, Jim, as you rightfully told me for, was it 1999? No, that was, they played United last time, it was in a League Cup final, if I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a big miss. I do think it'll be a close game. I know United are red hot right now, but Newcastle are still a good team and they're always hard to beat. And even against Liverpool on the weekend when they had 10 men and they kind of had a horrible first 15 minutes, I was still impressed with the way they came out and played with the ball um, with 10 men against Liverpool. I thought it was pretty impressive and they should have had a goal really at the post and the bar a few times um, but yeah Nick Pope must be I don't know he, he, I think he'll hit him on Saturday night when he wakes up Sunday morning I think why the fuck did I do that last weekend because I'm not playing in this cup final because he's saved their skin a few times hasn't he and he's, just, he's been brilliant this year and it was just a complete brain fart I mean about five minutes earlier he came out about 50 yards out of his goal on either side of the pitch and he, right, he, he, he did the right thing and cleared the ball but yeah he must be thinking like yeah, that, that'll take some time to forget about that I think personally no it's true I think that when he obviously did that I think with Pope in in that regard he needed to know his limitations like what you said before he did the correct thing before just booting out what are you doing going your head there it, it was about shin height maybe yeah the only thing I can think of is he's, he's already decided he's gone with his head. And when he got there, he thought, oh, fuck's sake. And he's, he's already died from his head. He's, he's already made his mind up, which isn't... Like, he could have just kicked it in hindsight. He could have just run off it and kicked it. <laughs> but nice. he never. And um, United will probably take advantage of that. I think that's what's expected. But Stan, um, Bruno Guimaraes will be back for Newcastle. And obviously, he's a big miss. They've not won a game without him, but with him. They've been one of the best sides in the league and they'll still probably field a, a long staff Jolinton Bruno midfield three and that's one of the better midfielders in the country, I would say. Yeah, it's probably the first choice midfield. So I suppose you, you lose one thing and you gain another, but <clears throat> I'd be interested to see whether Newcastle fans would rather have Pope in net or Bruno in midfield if they could switch it back. Uh but yeah, Bruno's brilliant. Like the the stat came up on the weekend that they haven't actually won a league games with when he hasn't started. So huge for them. Uh, although I agree with you, Jim. I, I do think they played well considering the 
you know, the fact that they had a, a man down, which was definitely a red card, Newcastle fans. I mean, it, it was. Uh, I understand that you're gutted because, you know, it's your first final in, in 25 years or whatever it is, but it's a red card and, and, and you know, he's out of the final and, and that is how it is. You know, it's, it's happened multiple times. Uh, Chelsea didn't have men in the 2012 Champions League final. United didn't have Keenor goals in 99 and, you know, these things can happen, but I think, you know, there'll be in more finals, Newcastle. Uh, but yeah, he, Pope's a huge Miss, arguably the best keeper in the league this season so massive uh, for us but yeah Bruno's a great player um, Is there anything to be said I, I, Stan is there sorry, anything to be said about um, there's been a little bit of talk about it's a bit harsh that Pope's missing the Carabao final just because it's different competitions um, because Bruno obviously served his ban in the league I know you just touched on you with your rather have Bruno or Pope but I guess if the rules were you are banned for this competition, if you get a red in this competition, they would have Pope on the weekend and they wouldn't have Bruno because yeah. Bruno got sent off in a semi-final and he's playing in a final. So they're rather fortunate there, I think. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, I think, you know, if you're sent off in the semi in the semi-final of the of the Carabao Cup with a straight red, you shouldn't be able to play in the final. Um and I I understand that you know if you get a red in the league that you'd probably feel like you should play in the Carabao Cup final. So if they were the rules, I don't I don't think anybody would hate that. It would probably make more sense than the current ones. The fact that you know one's got sent off in the league and misses the league cup final, and one got sent off in the semi and's going to play the final. Um, although there was another thing where if Joe Linton got a yellow at the weekend, he would have had ten Premier League yellows, which meant. He would have been suspended for the next Prem game, but not the final on Sunday. So, how that how that makes sense, I, I, I don't really know. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know. It's a shame Robbie's not here to ask. Would he rather Bruno or Pope for the weekend? And I suppose when it means you're playing your third choice keeper, who's not played a game in England since that fateful night in Kiev for Liverpool, uh, you'd probably back chucking somebody like Elliot Anderson in there, but having Nick Pope and your first choice back for in there, especially because I think, I mean, the league game at Old Trafford, Newcastle sat very deep and defended. And I suppose if you'd probably rather your first choice defence to do that, but it's interesting uh, just to finish uh, with, with Newcastle's keepers. Um, there's a lot of stories with this one. Obviously you've got the red card, you've got the soap opera of him, you know, being so harshly treated that plucky Newcastle won't have the first choice keeper in the final, but also you've got Dubravka, um, who hasn't really been spoken about, but he's cup tied because he played for United. And the only way he gets a League Cup final uh, winner's medal is if United win it, despite him being at Newcastle at the moment. So you've got that on top of everything. And obviously the fact that Loris Karius is probably going to start in the final after not starting since the last final for Liverpool when he got concussed and shot the ball in his net. So there's a lot going on with Newcastle's keepers there. Yeah. But uh, I just think with where Newcastle are, they've not won many games in 2023 and where United are, you know, United are the favourites and they'll be going into this expecting to win it. But it's a final and anything can happen. But um, yeah, I'm as confident as you can be for a final against, you know, third versus fifth in the league, is it? So yeah. I would I would love to, to I, would, I would love to see, obviously I don't really care to be honest, but I would love to see if United do win, Dubravka actually get up and get the winner's medal <laughs> in, in the Newcastle kit. And he has to like, strip it off and he's got the United goalkeeper kit on or something. That that would, would it would be, yeah. Yeah, it would be. He played for us. He started for us. So, yeah, he has played 90 minutes in that. He hasn't played any for Newcastle and he's cut tied. So, that's the only way he gets a League Cup winner's medal is if we win. So, yeah, interesting, interesting one for him. I, I don't know if that's ever happened, but, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a final for Newcastle's goalkeepers, that one on Sunday.
Right, listeners, that music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, the bet of the week. And we're going to start with Everton versus Aston Villa. We're going to go both teams to score in that one. Then we're going to go Leeds versus Southampton. Again, both teams to score in that one. Leicester hosting Arsenal. We're going to go Arsenal away win. And then West Ham, Nottingham Forest. We're going to go both teams to score, no draw. So just to recap bet of the week, Everton, Aston Villa, both teams to score. Leeds, Southampton, both teams to score. Arsenal to win away at Leicester and West Ham versus Nottingham Forest, both teams to score, no draw. And Stan, what can listeners do with that information? They can show it up the rackers. So welcome back. And we're going to go up to the top of the table. Uh, Arsenal and City, they keep swapping places all the time. They've swapped places again. Arsenal with a huge win, Cook, on, on the uh, Saturday early kickoff, 4-2. Aston Villa, despite going down uh, twice in the game, 1-0 and 2-1, uh, two late goals to uh, to win it from Jorginho and Martinelli uh, with, with the one just to make sure, celebrating before it went in. Uh, before we get on to City, which I'm sure Jim will look forward to talking about, how big was that win there for Arsenal on Saturday after the loss midweek to City? I think it was big, especially with the hindsight of Man City, obviously, getting the result they did at the weekend. And I think that I think I think it was you that said it in the pub stand moments in in title races and Jorginho. Um, I think it did it go down as an own goal in the end um, with Martinez, but and he he hit it anyway and it hit it hit Martinez and went in and although it was bittersweet for me that because I really don't like Emmy Martinez. I think he's a see you next Tuesday, and I just think that that obviously happening giving Arsenal three points. I still don't think they'll win the league. I've said it since the start of the year. I still think Manchester City are going to win the league, but this just gives them a little bit more hope. And I think eventually City will go on a monster run because I think I saw before, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, that the best run City have put together this season is three on the spin. That's probably true. And uh, I'm not that confident it changes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the... The the Arsenal win on the I guess we just go back to midweek and we've not potted since then. I don't think yeah, we haven't. Um City Rock played for a lot of it, but second half you kinda of seen the switching of the best side in the league, I thought. Um Arsenal had obviously not won the three games before that. City had beaten in the cup, uh, Everton had beat him and um he drew in the lead to Brentford. And then Pep makes a sub. It brings in a kanji for Mares, which seems weird when you're trying to win a game. But from then, we've just dominated. Um, and we ended up going to Emirates. And we looked like the team who had won the league for the past five seasons. And they looked like a team who haven't won the league title in years. And that is what happened. And I kind of thought, yeah, we're not playing our best. I still think Arsenal are the best team in the league. But you've got to have that mentality to win the league. And City have got it. And Arsenal have it. And that's what I've seen on Wednesday night. So then... On Saturday, for Arsenal to they deservedly won against Villa, but the way they kind of got the goal, which was very comical, and I'm sure they loved it because it was their former keeper that ended up heading it in unknowingly. And then Chris Wood equalises against City a few hours later after countless missed chances on our end. It's kind of stopped the um, the, the pendulum swing on it. I think Arsenal were like falling, the City were coming up. Um, I think since the World Cup break, City have been the best team in the league, and Arsenal have been. Probably behind United and a few others as well. They'd probably say themselves they haven't been the same team post-World Cup. But 
I kind of think what happened on Saturday swings it back in Arsenal's favour. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, obviously that win for City midweek was maybe the point where a lot of people who thought Arsenal will go and do it, they might have have had doubts. Um, but I get at, at the weekend. It ultimately means City gained three points on Arsenal and then dropped two again, and now Arsenal are back top of the top of the table. Are they two points clear with the game in hand? So they can push it back to five points with you know ten games left, and they have to play at the Etihad. But if Arsenal look at that and don't get beat, then you know it's it's in their hands. Although it would be City would pull it down to two, but I think if you'd have offered Arsenal fans Thursday morning, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be two points clear at the top again with you know the potential of going five points clear. Uh, you know, by Sunday afternoon or what a Saturday afternoon it would have been. I think a lot of them would have ripped their hand off because I agree with Jim where it felt like the momentum had changed uh, on Wednesday night, especially when City not only went in 2-1 but 3-1 in the end. It was quite comfortable with that last half an hour uh, of the second half. Uh, a lot of Arsenal fans would have been worried. Uh, obviously, Thomas Partey was missing for the last couple of games. Xhaka uh, hasn't looked great. Martinelli was dropped at the weekend. They're trying other things, but I think the fact they've come out 4-2 after going behind twice shows that mentality. The way that third goal went in, I mean, how often does Jorginho score in open play, never mind from outside the box? Uh, and it's not only it's, it's hit the keeper, it's hit the bar, hit the keeper and then gone in. Uh, and then Martinelli, who's been struggling for forms, comes on and scores. So I suppose it was the perfect perfect uh, result for them in terms of goal scorers and, and how they did it. And then, like Jim says, Chris Wood uh, stopped City from winning a few hours later after Erling Haaland, who's scored about 68 goals this season, misses a couple of sitters and, and Phil Foden cocks the final pass up. So it is moments. I know I keep saying that, but Arsenal just see... I know they didn't have the moments midweek, but you know, again at the weekend, that Jorginho goal... Harlan missing that sitter that was probably worse than the Community Shield one that he was laughed at um, for all over TikTok and you know Chris Wood scoring and, and Arsenal being back in in control again is is huge. Uh, I mean the late goals against United and you know the calls that they've had recently as well. I know they'll be going with that Brentford one, but you know nobody's speaking about the Imbermo goal that got ruled out for a foul. So they're getting the moments Arsenal, uh, and I, I do think they will just end up going on to win it, and we will look back at these moments where they've scraped over and maybe City and, and you know, others have failed to, to capitalise on that. So, yeah, I, I still think Arsenal will win. I, I, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I felt it when Liverpool ended up winning it. it just moments late on, penalties, you know, late goals, uh, teams that were in form would turn up to Anfield and get battered and didn't look like the team and they were off it and uh, Liverpool got the three points and it's things like that it's it's a mixture of luck and, and you know quality and I think Arsenal have got it this season um, you know unless unless United keep going and, and you know win. we're only five points off top just thought I'd throw that out there well yeah I, 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 I do I, I do think yeah obviously you know, I've seen a title race for the points and the way they're playing but just going back to that weekend I think it's a bigger one than Maybe it's being described as I'm not really seeing much of it um, on like Sky Sports or anything like that. But Arsenal stopped chasing City on the weekend. City about chasing Arsenal now, and I think if if there's a big mentality difference between them chasing us and us chasing them, we've done that before. We played, we beat Liverpool to titles where they've had plus ninety odd points, and we just feels like you have to win every single weekend. I remember that season it felt like Liverpool played before us every single weekend they'd have the early or something or we'd have to lay on a Sunday and we'd have to win it'd be only like Burnley at home but if we didn't win the title was like pretty much over 
uh, we've been in them situations, Arsenal have them. Uh, I just think if we were to beat Forest on the weekend, um, gone back above them, yeah, they've got the game in hand, but they have to win. There's not, there's nothing else they can do. They have to win. It's a team that Everton have just beaten, um, which I believe is the to get the game on is this week coming up, and it's in, it's in oh, is it, is it midweek? That Wednesday or something? Or is it on the weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah, Leicester yeah. In the weekend. Yeah, no, like no, I think it's midweek. They've got Everton at home. Yeah, which yeah. you know, Dyche, you don't you don't want to have to beat Dyche's Everton. That, do you, so. that, that's that's what I'm saying. The, the, the difference in mentality there of them chasing us and us chasing them is massive for them because I don't think we're good enough to play as good football as they are and win 10 games in a row like we have done last few seasons we're still figuring things out and listen we're going to go for a Champions League um, over the Premier League probably at this point especially with a favourable draw in PSG and Bayern getting each other you'd think that City are going to kind of turn towards that at some stage so yeah it is a massive weekend I think more than what's being um, probably put out there in the media would you say more than you believe more than you believe more, more, than, more than you believe yeah <laughs> yeah, that, no, I agree with you. I think if Arsenal can go that five points clear and avoid defeat at, at the Etihad, then uh, I think there'll be two massive results for them in terms of you know, mentality and confidence that they can actually do it then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean just, just, just think of a scenario where, I don't know, City play Saturday lunchtime against West Ham, beat them 2-0 and they go two clear, and then Arsenal play at three o'clock and they have to go to like Palace or something. But they have yeah. to win. I, like, it's... It's no little game anymore where they, have, they can just play free football. I mean, if they get it gets twelve time and it's nil nil, they're going to start thinking about it. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree, and I, th- I think City may, like you say, turn to the Champions League, whereas Arsenal can throw away the Europa League because they're pretty much guaranteed Champions League next season. So, yeah, I, th- I think you know it'll get interesting in the next couple of months. Let's see if City can put that run together that Cook was talking about, but it doesn't look like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with obviously. Man City and Arsenal both going for the the Premier League and the Europa League, depending if they get to the latter stages, if they've got Europa League final, let's say, potentially with Manchester United stand. And that could hinder them later on in the season because at the end of the day, that's a place in the Champions League, but you're also going for the Premier League at the same time. So I think with City's depth, they've got definitely enough, enough bodies on the front to go far in both the competitions, Champions League. I think the Jewish Champions League, to be honest with you, I, just, I think that this could potentially be the year where they do put, like Jim said, put all their eggs in that basket and, and really do go for it. And Pep is immortalised at City, potentially. But there's a lot of people that on the day, Jim, in the Champions League, you can just do you. It's mad. Especially with no way goals now. It's it's a fight every game. Well, the the, the, the biggest person who'll do us in the Champions League like, is the one who'll take us to the final because he'll play fucking Bernardo at centre-back or something. I mean, we we just we can't worry about the teams. We've got to worry about ourselves. We'll get to the final and do something, or we'll get to the semi, and you'll see Gundogan playing left wing, and you'll think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if it'll work. And then 20 minutes later, we're 1-0 down. It's like, yeah, that didn't work. And we're out. <laughs> we have to wait till next season. I don't know why he does it, but yeah, I've been waiting seven years. Or five, it feels like for the past five years, we should have won it every single season. I feel like we've been the best team in Europe, but <laughs> not showing it. Um but yeah, like you say about Arsenal, I mean, don't, don't they have, will they play Thursday night, Sunday, Wednesday this week? So they'll have three games in six days. So that'll be interesting to see what they do um, player-wise because I'm guessing they'll have to rest a lot on Thursday to go Sunday, Wednesday again. By the likes of Saka can't yeah. play three games in a row. And I mean, he's been, I know we talked about Rashford before, but for me, Saka's been on Rashford's level for this season as well. Like He's been fucking brilliant as well. He's been world-class. 
he can't play all in three games. And if Martinelli's struggling, and then Kessie is obviously not finding the goals because we've seen him have chances the last few weeks. Someone's got to step up, pretty much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Arteta uses the Europa League, whether it's a full 11 switch or whether it like Nketiah restarts him to try and get him a couple of goals so he's ready for the Prem. But it's going to be interesting. Another 10, is it 10, 12 games or something? Is it 12 games? Uh, 14, it's something like that, isn't it? 14 yeah. for one and 15 for the other or something. So, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. points still to be won. I think Neville said he didn't he, a few weeks ago it feels more like a normal season. I know Arsenal was saying like unprecedented heights to hit 50 points very quick, but because City have dropped off a level from last few, last few seasons, we've got mm. Arsenal at the top and United have dragged themselves into the title race as well. So it, it feels like it's going to be close this year. Right, listeners, just as we're winding down, this is the time of the podcast where we can tell you where you can find us when we're not around. So if you want to follow us on Insta and Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at cookiepodcast1. We're available on YouTube. Just search in That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. You can find us on TikTok by using the handle The Cookie Podcast. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on our, and our host platform, Anchor FM. It's been another episode of the podcast, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Let's do it.